0: i got some news for you today. uh, Sunday, especially Easter Sunday, it's not the weekend. Tell somebody around you, say, Sunday's not the weekend. It's really not. I don't want people to tell you that it's the weekend. It's the week beginning. All right? That's when our week begins. It's the week beginning. And so we're beginning a great week this week celebrating the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I read something this morning on the Internet, I, I, and I would thought I'd read it to you, but I'll just tell you before I get into my message, I thought, hey, this is pretty cool. You know, Jesus, when He rose from the dead, the Bible says He took... The, there was a napkin, I think, over His face or something. And, he, and the Bible says in John, He folded it up. And set it aside. He took time to, you would think, why would Jesus, you know, if I was coming forth from the dead, I just, how many of you know, you wouldn't take time to fold up the napkin, right? Why did he fold up the napkin? Well, in his day, the head of the house, the, you know, the, 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 the folks that had resources who had p- servants during the meal, if the head of the house just crumpled up his napkin and threw it, uh, he, the, the servants knew no matter if he got up and left, they knew he was done. He was finished. It's over. Okay. Uh, but Jesus took time to fold it. Now, if the, if the head of the house folded the napkin and set it aside, what he was telling his servants so he wouldn't have to tell them, I'm coming back. Don't mess with this. I'm coming back. So here's Jesus, the resurrected Christ, rises from the dead, takes time to fold the napkin and tell the whole world, hey, even though I'm a sin to the Father, guess what I'm doing? I'm... Somebody say he's coming back. Amen. And we are that generation. We are the church who have the opportunity potentially to see and experience the return of Jesus Christ to planet earth. So I just thought I'd share that with you. Tell two or three people he's coming back. Come on. He's coming back. Woo. He really is. Turn in your Bible to two passages. First Peter chapter one, verse three and and then 1st Corinthians 15. 1st Peter 1 and 1st Corinthians 15. Today I want to, I going to build a great case for the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I, I, and, and we're going to start from the beginning. Uh, in fact, the title of my message is long, okay? Well, uh, the content of my message is, is not long, it, but I kind of summed it up in this. Resurrection Day, the hope for all humanity. Somebody say, Amen. Resurrection Day, the hope for all humanity. Here's what we're going to talk about just a moment. I'm going to show you 1 Peter 1. We're going to talk about the creation. That's you and me. We're going to talk about the cradle. We're going to talk about the cross. We're going to talk about the empty tomb. And then we're going to talk about the altar of God. Okay, here we go. Say it with me. Say creation, the cradle, the cross, the empty tomb, and the altar of God. Right here in the altar. Did you know you can have an altar in your car if you want? You can have an altar in your backyard. You can come and kneel before God. You can, you can, uh, you can experience His presence anywhere. But today we're here in His house and today this is, we're going to turn this, what some might call the stage into the altar. And here's what I believe at the close of this service we're going to be able to do. We can come to the altar and just embrace the resurrected Christ. Amen. Somebody say He's alive. He really is. First Peter chapter one. I said resurrection day, the hope for all humanity. I love this. I want you to read it out loud with me. Here we go. Everyone together. Bless. Uh, here, there we go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let's read it again. And I, I'm telling you, blessed means highly favored and happy, okay? And he's blessed and highly... Let's read it out loud a little better, a little stronger, especially when you get to according to his abundant mercy. How many of you appreciate the mercy of God? And, And then you get to that living hope. And then when you get to the resurrection, I'm telling you, there's a lot happened on resurrection day. Here we go, everyone together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let's give the resurrected Christ one more praise and clap offering this morning. He really did rise from the dead. And in 1 Corinthians 15, I could read the whole thing there and it all pertains. I would encourage you to do that, especially beginning in verse 12, uh, because Peter, uh, pardon me, Paul starts, uh, really talking about the resurrection, that some didn't believe there was a resurrection, uh, but they really, and, but he said, hey, in fact, look in verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are among all men most piti- pitiable or miserable verse 20 but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep you see Jesus really did rise from the dead and he did so for you and I if he didn't rise from the dead as i said a few moments ago we're just playing around here there's no reason to be here we're on our way to hell in a hurry but because of the resurrection we have the opportunity, and we have, as Peter said, uh, a, a hope. A, a, it's not just, I hope I make it to heaven. Let me just tell you something today. I, I Could I tell you something today? In fact, you can respond to me. I'm going to ask you a question, and you can answer me however you want. Could I tell you something today? Tell, you say, tell me, preacher. Preach it, preacher. Preach it, pastor. I want to tell you something today about, about heaven and eternity. Jesus really did rise from the dead, and your hope is not, I hope I make it to heaven. Some people are always wondering if they're saved. Listen, if you're always wondering if you're going to heaven, you probably are not going to heaven. I know there are doubts that can come upon believers, but let me tell you something. If it didn't settle in your heart that I belong to him and he is mine and I am his and I'm on my way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas. I hope it's not today, but in, whenever it is, I'm going to split heaven wide open. I'm not going to split hell wide open because I belong to him and I have put my trust and confidence in him and have experienced his abundant mercy. Somebody say hallelujah. So if you're just kind of knock on wood, I hope I make it to heaven, today is your day because you need to leave this place knowing in your knower. How many of you know we got a knower? There's some things I know. Let me tell you a few things I know. Just from an I know I love my family, and my family loves me. Amen. Gideon, you love Papa? How much do you love Papa? Oh, So much, he said. That's their answer. I know I love my family. I know my family loves me. There's a lot of things I know we know in our knower. And in your knower, you need to know that you belong to him and that you're on your way to heaven. If you don't today, the altar will be open for you and for all of us here today. So blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's not a it's not I hope so. I hope I make it to heaven. It's I know I'm on my way to heaven. In fact, my definition of hope has always been a confident expectation of good for my future. I have a confident expectation of good for my future. How many of you look at the world around you? Did you know it things are kind of scary out there? It's a little scary out there. It's a little Uh, OMG-ish. I'm telling you, you, if you haven't watched the news, you need to understand uh, that, uh, you know what? This world is not our home, Uh, and it may not be our home real soon. I'm just telling you, Uh, but guess what? I have a great confidence and peace in my eternal security with Christ. It's a living hope. Everybody said amen. So with that in mind, in First Corinthians 19, Paul said, If in this life only we have hope, we're among all men most miserable. But Christ is risen from the dead. Everyone say, He is risen just as He said. He really is. This morning, let me build a case for it. Let me just establish for you this morning the absolute necessity of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let's see how it all started. Let's see how it all began. Uh, and and we want to begin way back at the beginning. And the reason Jesus had to come in the first place was because creation created a problem. Creation create, and it didn't take long, did it? I mean, read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Oh, it's just beautiful. God made man in His own... Oh, He made the world. He spoke it in His... Well, I go, ooh. Everybody go, ooh. Ah, ooh. Creation, a phenomenal thing that God... Let me just say to you, we didn't, we didn't evolve from a monkey. Everybody go, hoo, hoo, hoo. amen. No monkeys in this house. God created man. And then He took a rib out of his... Ladies, aren't you glad it wasn't a big toe? He took a rib <laughs> out of his side and he made woman. And, and I just, I figured out why he called her woman. Some people think it's because of what the Bible says, because she, she came forth from the kind of the womb of the man. But no, it's not true. He just saw Eve. He'd been looking at all this creation around and kind of, he looked at, his, looked at Eve and he went, whoa, man. That's just my thoughts. I don't know about you, but that was just my thoughts. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The creation very quickly created a problem. And in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, what happened? Sin entered the world. Satan seduced, uh, creation and, and sin entered to the world. And from that day until now, every person born on planet earth, from that day until now, what the Bible says, they were born in sin. We are natural born sinners. If you're sitting next to a natural born sinner, raise your hand and shake it. He's right there. Just tell him he's right there. There he is. We all are natural. Come on, some of you are afraid to do that. Come on. My mama said you ought to have more fun and feel better when you leave church and when you came. Okay, I'm trying to help you with that. The point at your neighbor, go, there he is right there. Come on. Oh, come on, Robert, right there. There you are. Oh, your wife has never sinned. Oh, I get it. There you go. Hey, you're brownie points for Robert today. <laughs> We're all natural-born sinners. Did you... Did some? Did somebody have to teach you how to hit your sister or cuss the neighbor? Nobody. It's just natural. And that's the problem. We're all sinners. In fact, Paul said it this way in Romans 3.23, part of what some call the Roman road. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. One preacher got his kind of thoughts all mixed up one day, was preaching about the cross and Calvary and the plan of salvation. And he read this scripture, Romans three twenty three for all have sinned and fallen short or fall short of the glory of God. And he said, we all got a bad case of the fallen shorts. <laughs> That's really true. But we all fall short of the glory of God. It, you go back to that First Peter 1.3. He said we have a living hope, a confident expectation. But sin caused us to fall short of that hope and not be able to make it to heaven because we're sinners. And then what you see is that there's no hope without a Savior somebody to come and fix it. In fact, the prophetic in, insight to the condition of all humanity, Isaiah, in fact, some call Isaiah the Gospel of Isaiah, the Old Testament prophecy about all humanity uh, and really about Christ, Isaiah 53, verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray, and everyone has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid, or God has laid on him, that is Jesus, the iniquity of us all. You see, from the beginning of creation, creation creation created a problem. And the problem is that sin has separated us all from God. We're natural born sinners. And I don't know about you, but I've tried on my best day not to smoke, chew, or go with the girls that do. And you can't not sin because that's our nature. It's our nature. We are born in sin. That's why we need to be born again. Somebody say born again. If you've been born again, say amen. So the creation created a problem. But God looked down and he solved the problem and he created a plan. And he did so through the cradle. The cradle created or established or provided a plan. God has a plan. He looked at the sinful nature of humanity and he, he developed a plan. And if you were to read the Bible from the beginning to the end, you would understand something about the Bible as we've learned in 40 Days in the Word that it's not some random uh, batch of authors who just scatter brain, you know, and shotgun spread kind of style their thoughts. Uh, it's all inspired by God. It's God's history book. It's His story. And from the beginning, to the end, the theme is the same. Written over 1,600 years by 40-something authors, the theme is the same. That God has come through Jesus to redeem humanity from their sins. Could I get a better amen? I'll beg for one if I need to. But the the creatal... I put those two points together. Did you see it? Creation and cradle, the creatal... I made a word. The cradle provided a plan. In fact, you remember Joseph? Jo- put your, put, hey, put yourself into Joseph. Let's go back to the beginning of, of the birth of Christ. And, and here's Mary who's been uh, uh, supernaturally uh, uh, endowed by the Holy Spirit with the Son of God in her womb. And the angel comes to Joseph to help him understand. And he, he gives him a revelation. And you know what? I, you know what the angel told Joseph? He said this. Let me, let me tell you something. This child. Will save the people from their sins. That's why He's come. You see, the cradle provided a plan. This and, and said, "Call His name Emmanuel, for He'll save the people from their sins." You see, we're all natural. Bo- the creation created a problem, but the cradle provided a plan, and that plan is for Jesus to come to live a sinless life and die on a cross uh, uh, without without any reason other than the will and plan of God. And then the third day, rise again, just as He said. The cradle provided a plan. I love this again, written, Old Testament, Isaiah, written 700 years before the birth of Christ. Everybody say, 700 years. You would have to be a master to be able to put the Bible together uh, and it not be God-inspired. Written 700 years before the coming of Christ, Isaiah said this in Isaiah 7.14, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call His name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. How many of you appreciate that? You see, from the beginning of time, as soon as creation created the problem, God developed a plan in the cradle of Christmas, provided the humanity, all of humanity, a hope for eternity. To be able to plug into that first Peter one verse that says, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Creation created a problem. The cradle provided a plan, but then the cross, the cross provided the necessary payment. Because when you, when you, Sin. How many of you know there's always a consequence? Have, have any of you in your, in your sin nature ever been able to ultimately get away from the consequences of your wrong choices? Are you with me? There's always a consequence. There's always the necessities for, for the payment of Sin. And God looked down from eternity in Hebrews chapter 9. You can go there later, really. But you, in fact, write this down if you can. Hebrews 10. Did I say Hebrews 9? Hebrews, it might be 9. I don't know if I typed that right or this right. Hebrews 9 or 10, 19 through 28. It says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. What God was saying, and, in, and then and and in this Hebrews passage, He talks about how how uh, the priests had to go and, and and offer the sacrifice over and over for the sins of the people. Somebody say, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. There has to be the shedding of blood. It's a law. It's written down. It's just the way it is. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so, hey, the creation created a problem. The cradle of uh, that first christmas morning provided a plan but the cross my friend provided the payment necessary for the plan to be realized and in first peter chapter one it says you were not redeemed with the with with silver and gold or, or or natural things or money you were redeemed with the precious blood of christ somebody say amen You see, the problem that we created was sin. The plan God established was redemption and forgiveness. And the payment necessary was the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Isaiah said this. I quoted part of it in Isaiah 53. It says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity." The chastisement that was needed to obtain our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we were healed. And so the cross, bloody and beaten. In fact, I heard or read somewhere this week, 16 hours of torture. So much so that his own family could not recognize him. Beaten beyond recognition, wounded and bruised, battered and scarred, bloody, providing the payment for all our sin. The old hymn of the church Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? And my friend, I have to tell you today, you were there. You say, how could I have been there? Well, he was thinking about you. He brought you there. He did it just for you and I. He paid the price with his shed blood. You see, creation, that's us. Everybody said, that's us. We got a problem. Look at your neighbor and say, you got a problem. You've been wanting to get that off your chest, hadn't you? We got a problem. Creation has a problem. We're natural born we're natural born sinners. God looked down and realized, uh-oh, what's going to happen now? i got to create a plan. And so the cradle introduced the plan of God, the redemption plan, the redemptive plan for Jesus Christ to come and to live a sinless life and die on a cross for the sake of and pay the price and, and, and be the, the final sacrifice. You see, up until Christ, they had to sacrifice over and over. But the Bible says in Hebrews and other places, he was the final sacrifice. The bloody cross provided the necessary payment needed to cleanse humanity from their sin. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. And as you know, and as I read, they laid him in a tomb, a borrowed tomb. And three days later, death could not hold him. I said death could not hold it. You see, the cross provided the payment, but the empty tomb provided the power. Somebody say power. In fact, if you look in Romans chapter 6 and in Romans 8 and really in other places, it, it talks about the power of the resurrection and, and the fact that we were there. Romans 6, oh gosh, let me just read uh, the first few verses. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many as us were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him. Somebody say amen. We were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we had been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, now catch this, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. And if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ, having having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him for the death that he died he died to sin once and for all but the life that he lives he lives to god likewise you also that's us likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin and alive unto god in christ jesus our lord you see hey it's the power of god god looked down The Bible says death could not hold him. And if you look over in Romans 8, verse 11, Paul just keeps hammering it. But if the Spirit of Him, uh, that is God, who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. You see, the cross created a payment. But then the empty tomb, the resurrected Christ provided the power to raise us up from the dead as well. And the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of me. Somebody give somebody a high five, a fist bump or something and go, Hallelujah, thank you Jesus. Come on. It's the power of God. I love this old text. In fact, David said this in Psalm 1610, Old Testament prophecy. And, and before I read it to you, let me just say about this one verse right here. Peter and Paul both in their writings referred to this passage of Scripture as proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That, that the Old Testament prophesied and then Jesus verified the prophecy in Psalm 1610. It says this, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You see, the empty tomb provided the power for us to be able to live that new life that we have in Christ. You see, the empty tomb, let me tell you some things about the empty tomb. It separates Jesus from every other religious leader in the history of humanity. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead... Separates him and places him in a, in, in his own category above every religious leader in the history of humanity. Guess where Mohammed is today? He's still in the grave. At least his body is. I won't be, I won't go further than where he may be in eternity. Guess where Buddha is? He's still, hey, Jesus is the only one in the history of humanity, uh, uh, as in, in God's power, who God raised from the dead to provide victory for us over our sins. Somebody say Amen. It separates Jesus from every other religious leader. And go ahead and give him some praise. Somebody say Amen. Woo, man, we need to get out our hymnals. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I'm telling you, we could sing that a while. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, I'm going to try it, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. glad I didn't practice that. I'd have never hit that note. Man, don't, don't act me on. I'll do it again. He rose from the dead, just as he said. It serves not only And separates G, the, the empty tomb not only separates him from every other religious leader, but the empty tomb serves as proof of the authority of Jesus Christ over everything. In fact, the resurrected Christ... You, you Fast forward to Revelation 1 where John's there isolated on the aisle called Patmos. He's in the spirit on the Lord's day. And the resurrected Christ shows up. I'm telling you, in all his glory. And Paul falls down like a dead man. Jesus begins to speak to him and tell him things to write. And here's basically what he says. I'm he who was dead and now lives. And he said to he said to John, the revelator, he said, Listen, I've got the keys of death, hell, and the grave. In other words, I've got the authority here over it all... I rose from the dead. And that's, hey, I want to tell you, it serves as proof of his authority. Here's something wonderful about Jesus. Jesus went into the grave. Come on now, stay with me. If y'all don't amen me, I'll start preaching harder. Jesus went into the grave as the sacrificial lamb of God. Are you with me? Remember Abraham and Isaac? Isaac was was the picture of the sacrificial lamb. And in, a, in, in an Isaac's circumstance and situation, God provided a, an alternate sacrifice and the ram was in the bush. You remember the story. And so Jesus is the sacrificial lamb for the sins of all humanity. He went into the grave as the sacrificial lamb. But three days later, the Bible says he rose from the dead as the chief shepherd of all the sheep. Amen. Amen. He went from sacrificial lamb to chief shepherd over all the sheep. And the resurrection of Christ validates and serves as proof of the authority of Jesus Christ over everything. And when He does return, and He will come again, He comes again as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Bible says in Revelation that all the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. The resurrection serves as proof of his authority over all things. In fact, my, listen to me today. I don't know where you stand with Jesus. I don't know if you are here today just because somebody, inv- I don't know where you are in your eternal security, but understand something at, in that day, at, at, whether it, we, if, if we live until his return, we will all stand before him. And the Bible says every knee, not some knees, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The empty tomb. Separated Jesus from every other religious leader, it serves as a proof of His authority over everything, as King of kings and Lord of lords, and thirdly, the resurrection and the empty tomb signals to all demonic powers, both past, present, and future, that their days have been and are numbered. In fact, they already know who wins in the end. They have already... You see, our victory is not in the process of being won. Our victory was won on Resurrection Sunday. Somebody say amen. In fact, the Bible says this, I love this, I I love this, I'm just shooting from the head and remember, the Bible says the the kingdoms of darkness, had they known he was going to rise from the dead, and if they would have just been listening, they would have known that, but they weren't listening to what he said, because he said he would rise from the dead, Old Testament prophecy said he would rise from the dead, they weren't listening and it says if they had known that, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Because they knew His resurrection signaled their defeat. But the empty tomb not only signals the defeat of all demons, devils, and hell, but it secures our eternal place in heaven. And as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 that I read, just hey, if Christ is not risen, we're all still in our sins. But Christ is risen from the dead. Just as he said, I love what Paul said to the Ephesian church. Ephesians chapter two, one of my favorite chapters, verse four. But God, oh gosh, I, just let me just get the context. And you, he made alive, verse one, who were dead in your trespasses and sins. See, that's because of the resurrection. Go back to Romans six. You were buried with him through baptism unto death and raised to walk in newness of life. But you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin and which you once walked according to the course of this world. How many of you know we all had rascal on the inside of us? We're natural born sinners. This is what he says. You once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. You see, creation creation created a problem, but God, somebody say, but God, see God had a plan, no matter how big a mess, uh, come on now, no matter how big a mess you make, God has a plan, God will never look down until it's, until he comes again and the history of, of this world is over as we know it, God will never look down and say, there's no hope for you in God. God had a plan, but God, who is rich in what? Mercy. Remember 1 Peter 1, 3? Because of His abundant, somebody say mercy. You see, the only way you and I get to heaven is because of His mercy but god who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins he made us alive together with christ well, let me throw this in by the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead by grace you've been saved and he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in christ that in the ages to come that is in our future he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in christ jesus For by grace you have been saved through faith. That's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the empty tomb, was the final piece to the plan of God. To provide all of humanity the opportunity to be reconciled to God. And come back into right relationship with Him. Creation created the problem. That's you and me. The cradle, the birth of our Lord introduced God's plan to bring a Savior. The cross provided the necessary payment for the sins of all humanity. The empty tomb provided the power of God to raise not only Jesus from the dead but all of us And today here we are on Resurrection Sunday with the opportunity to come to the altar which provides us a place to be able to meet Him. Whether here in this altar or there in your chair, home in your secret place. God is calling us to take advantage of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Paul said it this way to the Roman church. He said, if you want to be born again, you've got to believe. If you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ as your Lord and believe in your heart, now catch this, this is what it takes to be saved. Romans Romans ten. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. In other words, you yield to Him as the Lord and the leader of your life. Confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe. This is faith. I just read that in in Ephesians. For by grace we're saved through faith. You believe in your heart that Jesus was a good teacher on planet Earth. No. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord and believe that one day He'll come back and get you. Huh? That doesn't get you saved. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe that the Bible is, is a good book that will help me. No. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's why the resurrection is the single most significant event in the history of all humanity. Humanity past, humanity future. Paul said it very clearly. If Christ is not risen, you're still in your sin. And among all men, most miserable. But he is risen just as He said. Let's stand together. Father, today, on this wonderful day of celebration, just as You told those first visitors to the empty tomb to rejoice, we do rejoice in the resurrection power of Christ. But Lord, today we pause to spend a little time at the altar to bow our hearts and our heads and maybe even our very knee before You. To confess You as our Lord and to confess our faith in You as the resurrected Christ. To provide new life for us. With every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment, We won't be here long. We'll be done in just a moment. But let's don't pass up this moment of opportunity and miss the opportunity the moment for God to birth a fresh hope in the hearts of everyone here. If you're here today and you just kind of hope you're going to heaven, you're just kind of knocking on wood and hoping that somehow in the end it'll all work out, listen today, you can't can't have that kind of hope You've got to have a confident expectation of good for your future. And your confidence can't come from you because creation has created a problem and only God can fix that through His mercy and grace. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you can say, Pastor, you know what, I I, I, I hope I'm going to heaven, but I don't know for sure. I, I think I might be His child, but I'm just not sure. I don't have a real confidence in my heart that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. Listen, that's what it's all about. Why, why did Jesus come? Why, what was the cradle all about? To, to create a plan for you to get back in right relationship with God. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I just want to know that that I know that I know him. I, 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 I want to have a confidence in my heart and that hope in my heart that I will go to heaven that I'm his child with every head bowed and every eye closed just a moment I'm I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand and say that's me pastor I want to know for sure that I am his and he is mine if that's you today you know in your knower that you need to lift your hand and just and pray and agree together with me and invite Christ in your heart don't miss this moment of opportunity so right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you just kind of have this this kind of sketchy thought that I might be going to heaven, but I'm just not sure. I might be His child, but I'm just not sure. If that's you today, and you want to know that you know, when you walk out of this door, you belong to His, and forevermore you you are His, and He uh, you are His, and He is yours. If that's you today, right now, with no waiting, no procrastination, no thinking about it, other than I want to get this straight. If that's you today, lift your hand wherever you are and wave it and just say that's me pastor I want to know for sure that Jesus Christ lives in my heart come on now there's others that need to lift their hand some are lifting their hands we're going to pray together and we're going to get this straight amen if you're here today and you say I know I belong to Christ but today I need to come home to him I need to come to the altar of God in my heart and reconnect and recommit my life to him to follow him and let him truly be the Lord and the leader of my life on this resurrection day lift your hand wherever you are and say that's me and say I'm coming home to Christ. Father we thank you today for those whose hands are lifted all over this sanctuary Lord God and probably all over the world people are making commitments to you so we join Lord God a global move of the spirit of God today as we stand together and as these lift their hands together. Lord we thank you for the death, burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want everyone to pray this prayer. If you lifted your hand wherever you are we stand in the altar of God together. We come to this place of connection and commitment to Christ. I want everyone to pray this prayer after me. Even if you didn't lift your hand and you have uncertainties, you can pray this prayer with me and you can get your, your, your security in knowing that you belong to Him. Everyone pray this prayer out loud together. Say, thank you Lord Jesus for paying the great price for me. For dying on the cross and spilling your blood for my sin I received the benefit that you provided on Calvary's cross and I also believe that you rose again so I could have a new life too I commit my life to you Jesus I confess you as the Lord and the leader of my life from this day forward I will serve you In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to be the first to welcome you into the family of God as a believer and a family, a member of God's family. Let's give them a big hand. Let them know we love them today. Amen.